0: Okay, so I think we're just about ready to begin. Our next session will be on Michael Pace's paper, Pragmatic Encroachment and the Nature of Faith. Michael Pace is an associate professor from Chapman University. Julien Dutang will be commentating. He's a postdoc at the University of Geneva.
1: Thank you. So thanks, Michael, for the paper. Thanks for... Uh, been inviting me to comment so uh, to get in so some some views of face make face look like an intellectual vice so if you think that face is uh, believing against all evidence uh, it might be good to have face for practical reasons so maybe it's good to believe against all evidence that you're going to win a race uh, because it will improve your performance uh, but it looks like it's intellectually vicious to believe against all evidence And uh, Michael's paper defends a pair of provocative views. So the first is an account of faith that uh, makes faith seriously look like an intellectual vice. And second is an account of epistemic justification where uh, it comes out that faith need not be an intellectual vice. So I'll just summarize very quickly the two aspects of the view and then I'll go with a little comment. So the first is an account of faith uh, what it is to have faced that something is the case. Uh, I've copied the account of the endout, but so the account is like a complex necessary condition for having faced that P, and uh, we can break it down in, in parts. So if we break it down, the idea is that having faced that P requires believing that P, preferring that P over not P, lacking conclusive evidence that P, preferring believing P before examining further evidence. And believing p in part for non-evidential reasons. So I've given labels to the uh, elements for reference, but these are my labels. Maybe they are not good. They're, they are not Michael's labels. Um, the conditions are, are good for on the basis of cases. So, for instance, the the second condition, the conative condition, that you prefer that p or not p, is argued for on the basis of cases like. It's bizarre to say, I have faith that the Democrats will lose if you are rooting for the Democrats. Um, uh, so similar cases are used to argue for all the conditions except the first condition, the belief condition, which is argued rather on the basis of general consideration, namely that faith is subject to a truth norm. So if, if you have faith in P or if you have faith at P and P turns out to be false, then Uh, there is a sense in which uh, you were wrong in having faced that P. So that's the motivation for the belief condition. Uh, Okay, so given this account, uh, face looks very much like an intellectual vice. There is something that you want to be true, believing it would have good consequences, Uh, you decide to believe it despite lacking uh, conclusive evidence and before examining further evidence. So this looks very much like wishful thinking. and uh, so it looks like an intellectual vice. But then the second part of Michael's paper explains uh, or argues that um, uh, defends a, a view of epistemic justification of belief on which this doesn't, ne- this doesn't necessarily come out uh, as an intellectual vice. So the framework in a nutshell is this, your uh, evidence fixes how confident you should be in a proposition. In p, for instance. In particular, if your evidence delivers a probability, so if your evidence makes P 60% likely, then uh, it's epistemically justified for you to have a degree of belief of exactly 60%. Uh, but your evidence doesn't fix whether you should believe P. Um, it merely constrains it. So Michael says if, if P is uh, not more likely than not P on your evidence, then you should not believe P. So uh, yeah, so if not P is at least as likely as P, then you should not believe P. But if P is more likely than not P on your evidence, it's still open whether you should believe P. So uh, your evidence alone doesn't fix on the uh, range above one half probability, your evidence doesn't fix whether you should believe P. The argument for that is that uh, certainty on your evidence, so the maximum level, of support is not necessary, but any threshold below certainty is not necessary. Uh, is uh, uh, sorry, yeah, no certainty is not necessary. No threshold below is sufficient. Uh, and Michael considers invariant thresholds and also pragmatically sensitive thresholds, like having a having a degree of support which is as high as required for any practical choice you uh, have to make. Uh, so the conclusion is that above 0.5 your evidence leaves open whether you should believe and on Michael's view these are those practical considerations to come in to decide whether you should be li- believe or not and in particular uh, what matters is how you balance the goals of believing the truth versus avoiding uh, error, avoiding false belief and the uh, other is how morally and prudentially good it is to uh, form the belief, what are the consequences of the belief. So. The resulting view is a pragmatically encroached view of justification of belief that P. Uh, you should, uh, you are epistemically justified to believe that P if P is more likely than not on your evidence and believing that P is prudentially or morally better than without it. So now my comments. So I have one comment on the analysis of faith parts and two comments on the on the view of epistemic justification. So on the, on the analysis of faith, so Michael, like, Lara Butchak and other people, they go for this project, which is to give an analysis of faith uh, based on reasoning about, I mean, to considering various cases and what we would say about cases, focusing on the non-religious uh, type of faith. Uh, and so I have some qualms about this project, and my qualms have to do with the fact that the faith talk seems to be very uh, viable across languages. So a quick survey around my friends suggests that there are languages that don't have believe the distinction between having face and believing, uh, like Swedish, Danish, other language have the distinction, but they don't have uh, the propositional construction having face at peace, so that's French and Chinese. Uh, Other languages don't seem to to violate uh, the cognitive condition, so they are, in Finnish you can say, I have faith that this will get me into trouble, uh, and that just means strong conviction. So there seems to be a lot of variation, and I think a historical perspective helps so, very roughly, it looks like in Hebrew and Greek, like in the, in the Bible and in the New Testament, you have only one word. So, in Hebrew, it's uh, the word that has given amen. So, it's a uh, uh, emun, I guess you pronounce it. And, uh, and then in Greek, it's pisteo. Uh, pisteo uh, and these words are the ordinary word for belief and belief that close. Uh, so, you use them to say that you believe that something is so, that you believe someone. Uh, But also they have meanings of trust and loyalty, like uh, you trust someone, they have some notions of loyalty, uh, getting it. Um, And it's only in Latin that we get two words, uh, a verb, credere, and a a noun, fides. And the noun fides is initially, uh, apparently it's initially for interpersonal trust and loyalty, like loyalty between persons. And later on, with late Latin uh, it it's, uh, became the standard word for religious faith, in particular Christian faith. Uh, so, what lessons? I think there are three lessons one may draw from this very quick historical picture. One is that the distinction between belief and faith is a bit dubious. So, it looks a bit like the word "faith" was just introduced in Latin because they didn't have a noun for the verb credere. They, their credencia was is just for some reason so not a common term and they they use fides. Another lesson you might draw is that if there is some difference between fides and uh, like faith and belief, then they will have to do with the loyalty, interpersonal trust aspects. But surprisingly, these aspects don't come out at all in Lara Buchak's view and in Michael's view, so you might think, oh, It's surprising that these dimensions don't come out. Another lesson you might draw is that maybe a different view of what's going on with this word. So as the Christian belief takes center stage in in the European culture, there is a word that appears to refer to it. And then Christian belief has some salient, I mean, that is prototypical Christian belief, has some salient features, uh, um, like I've listed some that might be, so it involves believing something that's taken to be good news, it involves trusting in the testimony. It involves loyalty links between God and believer. It involves believing in something not of use. involves beliefs uh, taken to have good consequences like almsgiving, salvation. Uh, so one possibility is that first is this word that uh, applies to this very specific prototype and then things are called faith if they are similar enough to the prototype of Christian belief. And so that's why in some languages uh, faith will be applied to uh, things that are only beliefs in good news, and maybe in other languages you will apply faith that think in things that are not necessarily believe in good news, but are still by some other features very similar to prototypical Christian belief. So on this kind of view, faith is really like prototypically it's it's a, a religious belief or Christian belief, and then it it is applied uh, derivatively to things that are quite like that. So if that's if that theory is true, then it's, it doesn't look like a good idea to do an analysis of faith by focusing on a non-religious type. It's a bit like trying to get uh, to get a view on cars uh, by looking at car-like things, or trying to guess what is red by looking at reddish things. It's like you're you're not looking at the core phenomenon. So that's why I have some qualms with the idea of doing an analysis of faith in the sort of conceptual analysis uh, style. Okay, but let's focus. May, let's focus on on. On the justification, the theory of epistemic justification. So here, I wanted to raise two worries. So the first worry is a gruesomeness worry. It looks like Michael's notion of justification is a bit like the Gru predicate. It's a bit Gru-like, unnatural. So. One way to push, the person, to push the war is to consider this case. Suppose 100 person take part in an experiment in which they have the opportunity to steal some money without anybody finding, it, finding out whether they did. Sadly, but predictably, some people steal some money. One of your close friends was among the participants. So contrast these two cases. The first case, you know that 50 people stole something. You believe that your friend didn't steal. In the second case, you know that 40 people exactly stole something. You believe that your friend didn't steal. And let's suppose, somewhat implausibly, that you have no evidence that your friend is less likely to steal than anybody else. Actually, you are certain that your friend is just as likely as anybody else to steal. Suppose you, uh, so yeah, in both cases, you believe that your friend did not steal. It looked like, on Michael's view, in the case 50, Uh, since it's as likely as not on your evidence that your friend stole, uh, the belief that your friend didn't steal is at at best pragmatically justified. Like, maybe it's morally required to believe the best of your friends, for instance. Uh, By contrast, his uh, his views seem willing to accept that in the case 49, uh, you are epistemically justified. You might be epistemically justified to believe that your friend didn't steal because... It is slightly more likely than not on your evidence uh, than your friend didn't steal. And then the prudential consideration or the moral consideration kick in and justify uh, the belief. To see the grew likeness maybe better, we can consider an extension of praise of of Michael's theory to graded justification. So um, (coughs) suppose we had a ratio of how much better it is to believe than to withhold belief. So we'd say, well, if it's, uh, uh, it's two thirds for believing, that means that it's twice better to believe than to result on some notion of betterness, prudential, moral, and so on. Uh, a natural extension to, of Michael's view is the following. How justified you are in believing P is equal to how probable P is in on your evidence up to one half. And then the pro- when the probability of P is above one half, how justified you are is equal to the betterness of believing P as opposed to withholding. So it looks like we have these two scales, and epistemic justification is equal to the first on the one half, and equal to the second in the second half. And that looks to me like a Grue-like notion. So that's the uh, 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 Gruesomeness worry. And then the second is uh, um, worried that Michael's argument that his notion of justification is epistemic over-generates. So he says that the the theory that he defends counts as a theory of an important variety of epistemic justification, primarily in virtue of its relation to the truth goal. It specifies an appropriate way to the end of believing truth and avoiding believing falsehood. Uh, And so the argument seems to be epistemic justification is justification relative to the two-part truth goal. Property P is an appropriate way to go about the two-part truth goal. If a property is an appropriate way to go about a goal and epistemic justification is justification relative to that goal, then that property is epistemic justification. Uh, But I I think that the argument over generates if we consider for instance, these two theories, uh, one says like what the way you should go about the goal of believing the truth and to avoid false belief is just do what's prudentially best. So if it's prudentially best to uh, believe uh, believe if it's prudentially best to withhold, withhold, or the same kind of view with moral best. Like, do what's moral. You know, if it's moral, uh, if it's morally right to believe, believe. If it's morally better to suspend, suspend, uh, and maybe otherwise everything is permissible. Now, these two views seem to me clearly non-theories of epistemic justification, but uh, Michael's argument will take them to be uh, uh, make them theories of epistemic justification. And uh, I think in the argument, the, the premise three is the is the bad one. But anyway, so I'm worried about over generation here. That's it. Well, uh,
2: th- thanks first of all uh, for being invited to this conference. Uh, it's been great so far, um, and thanks also to uh, Julian for these uh, really uh, you know challenging comments. Uh, so um, here's what I have to say about them. I mean, I guess. Uh, the, the first comments that he gave were on my analysis of faith, and, um, uh, and you know, it, it exposes my uh, embarrassing lack of knowledge of, of languages here, so I wish I could kind of fight fire with fire and say, but in Swahili, you know, <laughs> but, but, but I, I, I don't have a response like that, so I'm going to try to sidestep uh, that objection. Um, so you know, I, I I do think that you know what I've captured is a kind of ordinary use in, in English. So um, I, I'm not making the claim that this is a, a that faith is a natural kind even, or that it's ontologically basic or in, anything like that. In fact, I give a, a kind of reductive account of it, right? So so I, I'm hoping that I can just rest with the claim that um, uh, it, it's a kind of important state or a state that people are sometimes in. Um, uh, maybe it's a, it, maybe it's not a natural kind, but uh, you know, uh, here's here it is. You know, g- given an analysis of it, so maybe even if I'm wrong that you know English uh, 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 goes quite this way, um, it, the the arguments in the second part of the paper um, don't depend much. I mean, in a way, they're they're kind of independent grounds for a pragmatic encroachment view uh, of belief. Um, so that's my that's my sidestepping on the, the first point. Um, on his uh, you know gruesome worry and the overgenerating problem. Um, well, the, the gruesome worry uh, f- first. I mean, w- one thing I want to say about that is is I, I think something similar is going to be um, is going to happen on on any pragmatic encroachment mm-hmm. view that kind of has a lower. Th- threshold that's pristine, that's epistemically pristine, right? So even if you think it's much higher than what I give, which is pretty low, right, 0.5, but suppose it's 0.9 or 0.97, right? I mean, there's going to be cases where um, the pragmatic uh, considerations, it's just barely above 0.97, right? And if it had been just a little bit before, we wouldn't have said it was epistemic justification. But the pragmatic considerations make it the case that... uh, um, you know that, that it does count. So, uh, so that's all. Just um, yeah, I'll, I'll defer to Fantel and McGrath because they, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I'm in their uh, uh, in their camp here, um, uh, and uh, maybe they've got great great considerations right. here. Um, I, uh, well,
3: just raise so, expectations for their paper. Exactly, exactly.
2: Yeah, I, it's, even more high stakes <laughs> <It's> like, there. <laughs> Um, a, a, a second point, though, um, and this, this also bears on the overgenerating uh, problem. Um, well, let's see. I had one other thing about. Uh... Oh, yeah, he also raises, uh, Julian also raises the point that the measure of how justified you are looks strange because it's this kind of mix of epistemic and, and pragmatic. But I I think I can actually sidestep that word because there is a pristine notion of degrees of justification. If you just think of them um, because, you know, I've got evidential strength, which is doing a lot of work and and you're supposed to match your degrees of confidence to it perfectly. There's no pragmatic encroachment on it. So, you know, I I can say, I think, when it comes to degrees of justification that um, we can give a kind of pristine count and it's just a matter of strength of evidence. uh, the pragmatic considerations come only in this kind of on-off sense of justification, where you know you're either uh, justified in believing or um, or withholding or believing not p. Um, and similarly, in the, the overgenerating uh, objection. Um, so you know, it, I, there might be some sloppiness in, in the paper, but it, it strikes me I can say more th- about why my account is. Distinctively epistemic than just saying that it's related to the truth goal, in part because I, I'm you know pristine about the degrees of confidence they've got to match evidential strength. Again, there's no, just there's no pr- pragmatic issues don't encroach on, um, on that relation, right? Um, so you know on, on my view. Um, uh, I, I think that's the reason for calling it epistemic. First of all, you're, you can be fully honest with your degree of, um, of evidential strength. Uh, you match your degrees of confidence to it perfectly, so there's no kind of intellectual dishonesty there. And, um, the pragmatic considerations can get you to believe something, uh, it's true, um, uh, but they do it not by, not by having you up your confidence, right? So that's, that's one point that I... That I stress, you know. In my view, there's, there's two, uh, two ways you could come to believe something. Uh, uh, you could, you know, raise your confidence above whatever the threshold is for belief. But, but I think it's also, you know, natural to think that that there's some epi- personal epistemic standards that fix kind of your your own personal threshold for belief, um, as it yeah. were. So. So pragmatic considerations, I do say, can get you to see that your standards are too high, right? So um, you know, by analogy, you, know, you, you come to uh, date someone who you initially found attractive, right? Two things, two ways that could happen. You could uh, uh, you know, up your estimation of how attracted they are, or you could lower your standards, right? So my, my view has the same, the same sort of feature. You, know, you, you could come to believe something by either upping your confidence above a threshold, or lowering your standards below 1. So, um, yeah. So uh, so I, I think that, that also bears on why it's epistemic. And I'll, uh, I'll let that be my last, uh, last comment.
3: Okay. So on this last point, um, mm-hmm. does that mean that you can allow for the following to be true? I believe that P, but uh, I think the chances of P's being true are no better than 51%.
2: I, I think that yeah, I, I, I and think that doesn't that can sound happen. bad. It may yeah. not be more paradoxical, yeah.
3: uh-huh. but it, it's in
2: the it's in the ballpark for me. Um, hmm. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure quite what to say about this. I mean, I my instinct is that there's um, the philosophers might just have super high standards here. Um, uh, but I don't know what, you know, what the folk would say uh, about this. Um, uh, well, ex- except, you know, I do, I do, you know, raise this. Uh, I-, I guess my claim is there's no other natural threshold to put kind of the, the point of epistemic justification. And if you can, you know, if you've got 51%, so you actually think it's more likely than not, and if you can do the further thing that I mentioned in the paper, which is commit to its truth in a substantial way, so if it turns out not to be true, you're wrong, um, I mean, that, that looks to me like it, that's um, belief or, or something very close to it. If that's not belief, then, you know, I'd be interested what the extra thing is. So, so I, I had actually
3: two thoughts yeah. there. One was the one about justification. The other one was belief. I just... Uh-huh. I can't find myself thinking that I could ever get myself to believe anything if I, if the uh, the probability I assign to its truth is fifty one percent. I just that is that I think does assume a kind of doxastic voluntarism Mm. that and and in fact I fail to possess that. Mm. Mm. But that that's
2: just a report on my my state. Maybe you're different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it might just be your your state. I mean, it might be my state too. I mean. As I, as I say, I mean, I, the, the sort of view I'm working with has, has the personal evidential standards, right? And it might be that even really strong practical considerations just can't get yours down, right? You're just so, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're, you just have such high, high standards. Um, but um, One last shot at this, and then, yeah. and then I'll,
3: I'll, I'll shut up. Um,
2: why not have something like act as if it's true?
3: I can do that. Give me fifty-one percent. Hell, I can do that even lower than fifty-one percent. That's right. that? I get
4: five percent. Yeah, five percent, and I can yeah.
3: do it. I think we do this in philosophy, by the way, all the time with our own views. Yeah. Well, yeah. A so.
4: Disclosure, you're I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: I, I think actually ph- philosophical positions are a good a good case in point because they're. You know, I think you're doing something a little bit more than just acting as if it's true. You, know, you are committing to its truth, right? And you're right? committing to defend it. You're, you're committing to right. defend it. So, so that's why it starts to seem more like, more like belief. I mean, it's not just kind of taking a bet on something. So I mean, it's, it's kind of crucial to my account that you could always switch to this attitude that's weaker, which is just, well, you know, the probability is good enough for me to gamble on it, right? Uh, but belief has something more than that and it's the, the truth commitment and you know philosophical positions have that too um, which is why I'm, I'm inclined to say that they're, they, they count as belief yeah.
5: um, so, so I like the way I think you're handling the, um, the worry well one of the, one of the worries about whether the justification that you're talking about is epistemic and The idea is I take it that um, these sorts of prudential factors can get you to realize that your standards were too high and, in fact, these are the standards that it has to be. And so um, what's going to make it epistemic, I would take it, is that you're still not employing the prudential considerations as reasons for the belief. It's not like you're believing it because it will have great reward to believe it unless anything like that. that Yeah,
2: well, in one sense I think you might say it's because it's because, I it's mean, because. If, if you actually use the pragmatic considerations to, you know, lower your standards, right? Right. But, but it's, not, it's not the same as, um, but I, I want to distinguish between that and uh, the, the basing that you're doing on your evidence, right? So the evidence is determining your thresh your uh, degree of confidence, right?
5: Right, but it's different, yeah, yeah right. But it, but it would be different from a case where you were, you were explaining why you did some action, and you said, well, you know, um, bring, it prevented me from getting wet. so That's why I brought my umbrella. That was my reason for bringing the umbrella. And he wouldn't be saying, I'm believing it because believing it yeah. is morally the right thing to do. That, you're not, or do you want to say that you're saying that?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that is, I, I think the, the natural, what I would want you to do is to a, avert to your evidence as the, re, as the reason uh, in that sense. Yeah. Because yeah.
5: it, it, so, uh, maybe this is something like a dilemma. So I like that way of doing because I think it helps you, mm-hmm. it helps the, the justification for the belief not to be epistemic. But then when it comes to your account of faith, you want this first condition is that S beliefs be based in part on non-evidential reasons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes it sound like you really are employing the the prudential considerations as reasons, as reasons. for the belief. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And so I'm wondering whether, yeah. but or, maybe, I'd, maybe Maybe you don't want to say that the belief you have when you have faith is epistemically, but you do want to say it's epistemically justified. So I'm wondering how you square, how do you square this approach, the the approach you're advocating is a way for explaining why the belief is epistemically justified with having this condition on the belief that's involved in faith?
2: Yeah. well, so, so here's, you know, here's the view, and I'm not sure quite, there might be just terminological differences. Uh, uh, but I mean, so my, my view is whether you, if, if, if you're doing well you know, by epistemic, believing what's epistemically justified, um, you, you might do two things. I mean, you're gonna treat the evidence and you're gonna have a degree of confidence that, that matches. So, your evidence is supporting the belief in that sense, right? But you also might use the, the pragmatic considerations to adjust your standards, right? In, in some cases, adjust it downward from what you would have, you know, from Sandy's super high um, uh, evidential standards. Um, and in that case, you know, what are you going to say? I mean, I, it, it seems like the, um, the pragmatic considerations are causally relevant to, to the belief. Um, are they reasons for belief? Well, um, they're not, uh, I mean, could we divide and conquer just by distinguishing, you know, look, they are reasons for the belief, um, non-epistemic reasons for belief uh, in this case. I mean, I guess that's what I want to say in the definition, right? Um, But it's also supported by epistemic reasons. And those seem like the more natural ones to, or evidential reasons. And those seem like the natural ones to um, cite when you're defending your belief. So I don't know.
0: Sandy, was that a Very briefly friendly
3: comment to you, Um, a way of handling this I think that will get you everything you want. Why not based on reasons whose adequacy is fixed by the pragmatic stuff? That yeah, way you don't have, yeah. uh, Jeremy's worry is you're basing it on things right. that aren't epistemic. That can handle his, his worry in ways yeah, that
2: I think, right. okay, yeah. Friendly yeah. comment. Yeah, that, that's right. Cause, yeah, I mean, that, that is exactly what the pragmatic things are supposed to do. They're supposed to set sufficiency, adequacy for, for
1: evidence, yeah. Should we,
0: have
1: yeah. that yeah I, yeah, I just wanted to check like what the, the pragmatic stuff is in the discussion because the kind of thing you're quoting in the paper is Like, uh, the addict who uh, believes that they will get off their addiction this time, because, uh, you know, it has, it it increases the chance, I mean, at least it's a good thing to believe that, because it increases the chance of getting rid of the addiction, Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, uh, similar cases like that. So there are many cases where that you bring where it's like having the belief has good consequences. And these come as Pragmatic consideration, while the kind of pragmatic consideration you appeal to typically is the consequences of acting on the belief. Mm. It's not the consequences of having the belief. Mm. In yeah, so I'm not yeah, sure. It's right. the. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this kind of consideration, your kind of consideration, like well, have, believing that would be a good thing. They are at least they are typically, classically, they were considered really the the case of. Practical reasons yeah. to believe, like, yeah. Yeah. you should believe this because it will increase your chances of success or... Right. Yeah. Like
2: that. yeah. yeah, that's right. I, I, I take it that's a, that's a difference. I mean, on, on my view, um, the practical considerations mm. may bear on the actions that you'll do, but they also bear on the, whether you're going to commit to it or not, right, which is a separate, a separate mm-hmm. matter. Because, again, you, you could just treat it as a bet and not commit to most anything, I, I think just go with the probability rather Mm -hmm. than
0: any other questions okay I'd like to ask you a question then so um, your account of faith includes religious faith so um, I guess it it doesn't really feel correct to me to say that um, faith requires being constituted by a belief that it's necessarily at 0.5. It just seems that um, when we talk about having faith, we often talk about it. You know, having it. Well, it's hard having faith, and it's despite you know having no evidence. You know. It just it, it seems like your account doesn't really capture that. Phenomenological aspect of the faith. so you're,
2: you're you're coming from the other direction from Sandy's point. You, you think it could be lower than 0.5, Is that the yeah um, yeah I guess yeah yeah well you know one thing I say in the paper I think bears on this. I mean I think there is this um, I think even belief can sometimes be used um, in a way that's not you know inappropriate for things that you believe. For things that you have below a, a 0.5 degree of confidence, so you know the, the example I give in the paper is uh, uh, filling out a you know, filling out a bracket for a, the NCAA tournament, right? So, so you're trying to predict what's going to happen, right? And you're committed now to the truth of, of each of those uh, uh, each of those predictions that you you made. Um, so suppose you know you've got uh, Kansas in, in the finals, right? Uh, it seems to me you can be honest with um, your degrees of confidence there and, and match them with the probabilities. I mean, say, say you filled out this whole bracket and you really went with what you thought was most probable in each, in each particular game. Well, you know, if you're calculating the probabilities well, you know that your team's probably not going to win at the, the final game, right, because they've got to win every game in between. So so you're committed to the truth of it, um, But, uh, and I think it doesn't even come come out to be uh, more paradoxical to say, yeah, I I believe, uh, who do you think is going to win? I I believe, I I think, or I believe Kansas is going to win. Oh, so you think it's more likely than not that they're going to win the whole tournament? And I I could say, no, I don't think that, but I think it's the best of the live options. So it's it's the best, it's the highest probability of, of any of any one, but you know, I know it's still low that they're gonna win the whole thing. They've gotta go through all, uh, all these different rounds. So, so if that's right, that belief sometimes works that way. I mean, I, it, it might be that faith in some, some cases requires only that sort of commitment where the, the kind of more paradox would just come if you said something like this. Um, I believe P, but actually I think this other alternative is more likely that's relevant. Right? But, but you could have lower than 0.5, um, um, at least I, I, that, seems, that seems somewhat plausible to me. But.
6: Matthew? I
7: have a question, <clears throat> two questions about the account that you give. So, um, one has to do with whether Clause 3 that appeals to as its preference P rather than not P be the case in regards to a worthy preference. I, I'm sorry? S prefers the P rather than not P be the case in regards to this is a worthy preference. That's the third clause of your account. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, wonder, I was wondering, really having that preference mm-hmm. and regarding it as worthy mm-hmm. can fulfill clause one Having non-evidential reasons. Mm. Namely, have just, having the preference yeah. means you have non-evidential reasons. It. Mm-hmm. And boom, you get both those at the same time. <coughs> maybe there's something to be said about what it takes
2: to regard it as a worthy preference that's
0: yeah, going
2: to be Yeah, you know, I, I forgot that I left that in there. I, I, don't, I think I dropped the part of the paper, because it was already way too long, uh, uh, that actually argued for that, <laughs> for, for including that, so um, I, there is a good argument for, for including that, but I, I don't think you, you guys saw it. Um, <laughs>
7: So all you, all you yeah. really need is clause one and two to make the thing yeah.
2: for the okay. Well, well, no, I think the, the third the third one is is important, but um, and, and in some cases I think the preference will be your non evidential reason for for belief. Well, maybe not yours, but it, there are certainly cases where um, th- that's the wishful thinking worry, right? I mean, I, I think faith constitutively constitutively involves. Hoping that the proposition is true, so that raises the worry that that might be what's you know an actual reason that you're upping your confidence because you want it to be true, Um, and I think in some cases that's that's true, but those cases aren't going to turn out to be epistemically good on my on my account, Um, and I think I think it doesn't it doesn't it's not that non evidential reason that has to be you know, at, at work in supporting your faith. It, it could be, you know, lots of others, you yeah, know, right. just good, good benefits of belief, more generally.
7: Yeah. Okay, so the, the other question, if I still
0: I want... think there was a follow-up down just, here. Josh,
7: I just a follow-up quickly on that. What, wasn't the argument,
8: uh, the one about the democratic um, citizen who was worried and yeah.
2: unhappy um, about, so it is in there actually, cause I,
8: that is, isn't that the argument that you are making for the third
2: point? Uh, that, that's, the, that's what supports why you, you've you got to have the preference, right. but not why you have to have it be well, Believing it's worthy. Yeah. Oh, worthy I see. that problem. So, yeah. <coughs> okay.
7: There's one other thing. It's like a follow-up to this
4: other. <laughs> <laughs> I
9: follow-up your own question. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um, so when I'm
7: looking on page 14 of your account, uh, it starts off by saying... Despite having evidence that is less than ideal or factors factor that implies doubt, And I will ask myself, less than ideal for what? Like that's invoking some standard. But then later, when you get to the next section, you're insisting, you're insisting that faith involves belief. And it's reasonable to suppose that faithfully, epistemic justified just in case the constituent belief is justified. So then I assume that the less than ideal has to be appealing to some other standard than yeah. epistemic justification. Yeah. So then what is that standard that can appeal to that ideal? Maybe you said somewhere and I didn't catch it.
2: Right. Well, less than less than certain. Uh, uh, certainly, um, that that might that might do it. I mean, I, I I think we're as long as you don't you don't think that the evidence makes something certain. I think it's it's often okay to talk about. Well, that that might be. I, I'm not sure quite what to say <coughs> except that it does seem like faith. You know, requires some kind of temptation to doubt, or some kind of uh, um, dissatisfaction with your evidence. But you can't just say you're dissatisfied with your evidence, because I think actually you can get. It's it's also compatible with faith for you at the end of the day to say, yeah, my faith. The evidence is good enough, though. Um, so, uh, but there's got to be. I'm not sure quite how to make this more precise, but there's got to be some kind of pressure um, uh, pressure to doubt uh, that involves a lack of evidence. The, the reason why I, why I don't say – what was it I said there? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do I say? <laughs> 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 so in yeah. the first line of yeah. the account, you
7: say, that oh, yes, the, it is, the so. only, despite mm-hmm. having yeah. evidence that is less than ideal – or, or factors, factors that incline inclined. toward doubt. Yeah. It yeah, might so, be just that it's ideal what lets you doubt. Right, yeah.
2: Is yeah. I mean, I, I say factors that incline you toward doubt because I started to think, um, you know, if you've got some you know, psychological disorder where, where you know, uh, you're, uh, 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 you're paranoid, right, so you think people are out, to, you're, you're really inclined to believe that people are out to get you and to, you know, uh, it, you might still... You, you might have faith in that case that people are not out to get you, right? Um, there you might actually think your evidence is really good, right, when you reflect on it, but it can still count as faith because there's still this pressure, right, to, to doubt it um, that's really powerful, right? So it's... it's
7: so does that mean that an ideal case would be one where you didn't have that kind of pressure?
2: Yeah, and that's right.
7: The doubt, stuff, and yeah, yeah. And yeah where you're you're fully
2: it. satisfied with <clears throat> your evidence, and you think it just cinches it, right? Uh, well, I don't know, but that's. Uh, I, I'm not sure right. quite what to say uh, to make it more precise. Other than it seems like there's got to be some kind of negative pressure to doubt, right? Based on usually based on some dissatisfaction with your evidence or wanting it to be more ideal, but it's still compatible with at the end of the day you're saying yeah but it's sufficient Um, so
0: John
2: um, one
10: bit about the historical context but just before that just as a side remark if you think that um, things you know are there by evidence then you you wouldn't want to be requiring that they're less than certain on your evidence I mean on standard views of Testimony, you know, husbands can come to know things by trusting their wives, Mm -hmm. but then the things, the relevant things are certain on their evidence. Yeah. So, but that wouldn't stop you saying the husband has faith that what the wife says is true. Yeah, yeah. So you need need some other notion of evidence for this to sort of run. And just a a related thing, you know, historically in the scholastic tradition, the, the whole idea was that... Faith isn't a matter of, you know, not knowing or anything like that. It's knowing without seeing. And the whole idea is when you don't see, the will has a bit of scope still to resist. Whereas if you see, it's shoved so much (laughs) in your face that the will is kind of bypassed. And I think that those are the intuitions that you're tapping into. But if, yeah. if those are the, yeah. the, the, the motivating intuitions, then it might be that when you have fa- you know, I can have faith that, you know, cl- classical logic's valid. I mean, that's a perfectly yeah. ordinary use of faith, but I wouldn't want to, you know, is yeah. it less than, got yeah. lo- less, you know, less than uh, probability one on the evidence, you know, on standard views oh. of probability, it's that's probability well. one on the evidence, but it's yeah. still, it's, but the, the idea is, Mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not so shoved in my face that, that I don't have any scope to, to, to resist. I, I think that's, that's the history of the thing. And you, yeah, yeah. it's getting a bit distorted in the discussion uh, by yeah, yeah. somehow tr- yeah. trying to get the, the latitude uh, uh, by, by yeah. trying to buy the latitude by this idea that it's got less than probability one on the evidence. You see what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, so maybe something like... <laughs> not pre is it non-perceptual is that is that well, not shoved evidence. in there is a, there's, <laughs> a there's, yeah.
10: there's a historical notion of what is evident evidence, what is yeah. seen but in a you know things can be seen by intellectual vision in this tradition and that would be as evident as could be but it wouldn't be straightforwardly perceptual but the metaphor is via that which is seen yeah, 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 yeah.
4: yeah. it's like the Cartesian of reason mm-hmm. the same kind of stand of certainty mm-hmm. yeah yeah good
9: is that a yeah, so I think this, is, this was a follow-up initiative to this point, but it might be going over um, two things. First of all, I was going to say, um, yeah, it seems like you'd have faith in science, uh, but that's kind of like what John was saying. The other thought was, I thought it might, you might want to bring in stuff on courage because it seems like there's a use of faith that is really... So you could have like certainty, you have great evidence and stuff like that, and then people say, you're going to go in through this really scary thing, you know the enemies can be charging at you and you know keep faith you know the reinforcements are coming you have great evidence that the reinforcements are coming let's say mm-hmm. so i think there's an there's a level of uh or a degree to which maybe we might be rather confusing faith with courage in those circumstances or maybe courage and just being a coward um precludes you having faith or being rash maybe precludes you having proper faith or something like that So, and those would be unrelated to the evidence. The evidence stays the same, yeah. But it's just that there's this emotive thing that comes about, you know, this person's going to cast a spell on you that's going to scare you, type thing. Uh But you have to, your evidence will stay the same. You have to keep on believing it despite it, you know, you feeling awkward or yeah, 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 yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. yeah, yeah. That that all sounds right. Yeah, I like the, I like the link with courage. That wasn't supposed to be a. Criticism, right? But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, one way I've thought about this is in terms of uh, you know. So, so in the paper, you know, I I try to kind of uh, play the negative, defend against the charge that faith is, is an intellectual vice of a certain sort, right? But, yeah, I mean, it it strikes me that there's a a variety of intellectual courage that's just just like this, right, where, you you know, um, you've got super high standards, maybe too high, right, so these pragmatic considerations can can get you to see, look, you ought to stick with your evidence. It's it's good enough. Uh, Go with it, you know, but believe it. Um, So that would be a kind of... You know, intellectual virtue then uh, of of intellectual courage, rather than being intellectually cautious uh, in your uh, in your beliefs. So, Jeff, what's mm-hmm.
6: yeah. that a question?
11: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to get a fix on what this person level commitment is, mm-hmm. and one way of trying to get a fix on this is so let's let's say I live my whole life without ever doing it at all. Yeah. Um, I, I just Person, person level commitment. I don't. So let's say, let's say see, I just don't just have any. I just play the odds all the time. Uh, uh, sometimes you know, and I'll say P if it's you know it seems like a good bet that it'll do more more good than harm. Um, I'll say say P to myself in my head if also yeah. it seems like that'll do more good than harm. Um, I'm wondering if you can give me a sense of kind of what what parts of what is it that I'm missing out by not engaging in this practice of of, uh, person level commitment? Maybe that can help give me a sense of what that what that would what it would involve to do that
2: thing. Well, uh, thanks. That's it's a really nice question and something that I've thought a little bit about. Right. I mean, I I think there's actually a a pretty compelling argument that you you just can't do that without having some personal level commitments. So, you know, if you're going to reconstruct your your arguments, um, what's what's guiding your actions? You know, you're going to have to um, make some outright claims about the probabilities, you know, in your own mental life, or, you know, you're going to have to set up some decision tables, and you can't just... Um, whatever you, you choose as the states and as the actions, you can't go with probabilities for those, right? Um, so, so I think, I think you, you just can't, can't do it. You're going to have to have some personal level commitments, um, even if the personal level commitments turn out to be,, you know, all of the sort. Well, well, this isn't even going to be true. I mean so, some of your personal level commitments are going to be of the sort. You know, P is 25% likely, or P is somewhat likely, or whatever. Um, some of your personal level commitments are going to be in the form of you know, whatever the states are on your decision table, and your, ac- your possible actions on the decision table. Um, so with each of those cases, I think you've got to commit um, in, your own, um, you know, in y- your own cognitive life. I mean, is
4: that follow-up on that? Well, i was just say, it yeah. is not it just sort of like an intrinsic feature of subjectivity? That we have these kind of personal commitments, right? You might think that it would be impossible for there to be a person who wouldn't have, who had sort of purely kind of mathematical rational preferences. The so, way that you're the way that you're describing it.
11: Well, maybe. So, so here's,
4: here's a way of here's, here's a normally functioned person.
11: Here's a way of filling in the position. Um, so let's say I'm an expressivist about probability claims. So when I say the when I say that P is 3 quarters likely. It's not that I'm committing myself to the truth of some claim about probabilities, Mm -hmm. but rather that what I'm doing is just indicating that I've got the 3 quarters credence uh, attitude towards P. Mm -hmm. Um, Similarly, when I think about the values in my table here, I'm an an expressivist about those, let's say, too. Um, So it's not that I think that this is better than that, but rather I've got the better than attitude towards this and this. and then the picture would be, say I live my whole life just with these attitudes and not with this extra attitude of commitment that you're talking about. Is there stuff, you know, part, part of the, you know, being a human or something that I'm, I'm failing to tap into? That I, that I, it, it, it feels to me like this, this kind of, you know, having just these attitudes and not the full-on commitment attitude is, is coherent, but maybe I'm missing something.
2: Well, so, so how are you going to, suppose you do something, how are you going to explain why... Why you did it? Um.
11: So I'll I'll express certain attitudes that I've got towards it, right? And so that are you that committed? Put you to, the, are you committed
2: to those claims about what you're expressing?
11: Uh. So maybe that's the level at which yeah. this the, the disagreement comes out here. I was on the view I was describing. Yeah. Um, there's there isn't there isn't some proposition which is being affirmed when I say that the, the likelihood is three quarters rather yeah. rather. Yeah. Uh, I'm merely making a noise that puts you in a position to to figure out what uh, what what which which credence attitude I'm bearing towards yeah. this thing. But maybe you want to think that 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 that, that has to involve some kind of social yeah, I am mean,
2: inclined to say if you're going to rationally reconstruct, uh, you know, what you did, um, or even think about, it, I'm inclined to think that to even get reasoning off the ground, you're going to have to have some person level commitments either in um, yeah, you know, the, the choices you make for the states uh, in your decision tables, or uh, the choices you make of what actions are possible, um, yeah, you know, the outcomes that you think each state's going to have, right? I mean, in, in each of those cases, you, know, you could treat, you could go probabilistic on those, right? Um, but then, but then you're going to have lots of alternatives for setting up your decision tables, right? And I I think there's some arguments to this effect in the literature, that there's there's going to be a regress for you, right? I mean, if if you're actually, um, uh, if you don't just outright assert, you know, the state's going to happen with this probability or something like that. Maybe it's vague, right? Um, But if those aren't assertions that you're making, um, but you're actually, just committed to there being you know, such and such probability that this state is probable, right? So that's not an outright assertion That wasn't the way I wanted
11: to go there. OK. I mean, the, the thought was that I've got certain kind of primitive credential attitudes which are not commitments to propositions. But maybe that's. Oh, not commitments to propositions. Maybe just
2: that that, uh, yeah. that makes sense. Uh, yeah, and, and it's suspicious, but maybe we can you know, talk about it more.
8: No. Yeah. Just really quickly, just yeah. so are you are you suggesting in, in, in answer to him that if one didn't go in for commitments, one couldn't do much of any reasoning?
2: Yeah, that was and yeah so that one, was the one
8: thing you're missing yeah. out is reasoning. Yeah, I mean maybe there mm-hmm. some for some propositions mm-hmm. you're epistemically certain and you see you see them to be true, but that's not very many, mm-hmm. and so that would be a life without much reasoning. Maybe that's a practical reason yeah, to think yeah. you should lose weight. Yeah, like Yep. Okay. yep Yeah?
12: yeah. yeah. Um, thanks for your paper. So, um, you may not have any views about this, but um, I was left wondering um, because it looks like you've got the stuff about the cognitive attitude and preference in there. And at times you couch that using hope language. Mm-hmm. So, and also in the tradition, faith and hope are distinct. I mean, their theological virtues infused by grace. Um, So that may be one reason to think maybe a generalized account of faith and hope aren't going to work. But setting that aside, um, so your view is fine for them to be distinct. I mean, they're, they're distinct even on your account, even if you don't have anything else to say about hope. But is your view that hope is just this, preference? Is that what it comes down to? And if that's the case, then is there going to be some sort of intellectual viciousness involved in hope, even if there's not in faith?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I've done some thinking about uh, about hope. Uh, so I don't think it's just a, a preference. So um, it, it's not the case that, you know, you hope that P, if and only if you prefer P to not P. Um, because uh, hope has an epistemic dimension too, right? I mean, if you if you think there's no chance at all that p is going to happen, even if you prefer that it's going to happen, I'd call that wish, you know, but it's not a, a genuine hope. So, yeah, but it does. Um, I I, th- I think it is an implication of my account and natural ways of thinking of hope that faith entails hope, but not vice versa. So, um, so. Faith is kind of hope with a with a stronger epistemic, a stronger uh, cognitive requirement. You, you've got to have uh, your more certainty to count. Uh, um. But but I think it's also the case that uh, uh, whenever you have faith that p, you do hope that p. So um, uh, so in a way, I've, I've never quite understood why um, these were thought to be two really separate theological virtues. It Seems like the theological virtue of faith um, includes whatever virtues hope has, so. Yeah? Uh,
6: Yeah, I have a follow-up question. Uh, I said that um, there are cases when uh, uh, faith is, um, well, entailed by hope. But uh, I think of a case when uh, actually hope produces faith. Uh, well, for example, uh, when an atheist uh, a- atheist child is uh, having cancer and is going to die. So uh, some atheists actually, are hoping that the child will be cured, they start to pray. And basically they pray in a way that, uh, dear God, I don't believe that you exist, but if you exist, please cure my child. So I think this is a case where actually the hope for something entails uh, faith. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, there was no hope, no faith. But Mm -hmm. when you have hope, you can also have faith as -hmm. a result.
2: Yeah, Um, yeah, I I think it's right that that case involves hope. Um, I'm less inclined, in the case as you describe it, to think that it involves faith. and, and precisely because there's no kind of commitment to the truth of, of the claim. So, I mean, as you described it, right? I mean, the, the atheist is saying, I don't don't really believe you exist, but just, just in case, um, you know, you do. Um, here's my prayer. And then
6: and you go. Know. In such cases when they're really are hoping yeah. for something and asking for something, they also promise God something like, I'm gonna to go to the church I'm going to be a proper Christian, and so on. So there are some commitments as well, yeah. followed up from this.
2: Uh, yeah, there's there's some commitments, but not, not a commitment to truth, right? I mean, if, if they're still an atheist, then they still believe that God doesn't exist. You, that,
6: you should, you, if, you, if you hope and if you pray, mm-hmm. there should be some belief that this might be true. Otherwise, you will not start to pray, actually, if you're mm-hmm. absolutely sure that. This is not true. Yeah. There is no God.
2: Yeah. Well, again, again I, th- I, th- I would agree with the hope claim. You know, that they're hoping that there's, there's a God. Um, I think that's okay. It's a little strange, isn't it, to say, I hope that P, but I believe P's not the case. Right? I... No, I
4: think people say No, that's so okay. Not. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I thought, Actually, I, I in thought in it was going sound... It's really popular yeah. among, say, like, Calvinists yeah. um, to say... <laughs> I hope that God saves everyone, but I believe that He doesn't. Uh, Right? So this is how you get your. This is how you avoid getting, you know, kicked out of certain schools. (laughs) (laughs) You're not allowed to believe that God saves everybody, but you're allowed to hope that He will. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. In some
2: cases, in some cases, you're not even allowed that, right? (laughs) (laughs)
4: Well, I think you're allowed to hope. There are some places. Yeah, yeah you're
2: right. That, I, I thought that was going to sound stranger than it did when I
0: actually said <laughs> <laughs> it.
10: a little thing on, on, on faith and hope. I suppose there's an oracle or a friend, and I naturally say, I have faith that what the friend says is true. What the friend will say will be true. And then the friend says, I'm going to get punched in the head. Mm-hmm. Do you, how you describe it, 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 do I no longer have faith that what my friend says is true? Or is it that yeah. hope isn't closed under entailments as it so? Or I hope what he says is true, but even though what he said was, you know, that doesn't seem right. So it doesn't seem to lose my faith, but I, 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 I no longer hope that what he says is true. So...
2: Yeah.
10: So, I, I mean, I, I feel this taps into the yeah. tradition that says you, you, right. things that you believe as a matter of faith are things you believe through trust, and that use is tapping into that tradition where yeah, yeah. it's becoming detached. As you, I believe as a matter of faith that what he says, will say, will be true. I mean, yeah. there's that use, as it were, that isn't straightforwardly aligned with hope, and I, I feel I can hear that as a yeah. legitimate use of even faith that.
9: Right.
2: Um, yeah, is, is there... Do, I mean, what do you think of the ordinary
10: language data?
2: Well, I, I'm not sure. I, I've thought about cases, ca- cases like that a, a, a little bit. Um, and I, may, maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm, it's wishful thinking because this is my view. But, um, I, but it, it does strike me when, when the news is really bad or is, the news is something that you just shouldn't hope for, you, you should actually hope against, um,
10: then you, no, you no, don't have faith that what your wife, wife, wife yeah. says is true. Uh, I, I want that to be the... That, that's the,
2: the sentence I want you to evaluate. Yeah. I have faith that what my wife said is true. Um, but if she's right, this really terrible I, thing... I just scenario, want to know, what do, you
10: think, do you think that's true or false, that sentence? Yeah.
2: Um, I can get myself to think it's false if if if, if, false. if the content is bad enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if the content is bad enough, there's you sort just, of there's see rush. how
10: you're feeling a bit of pressure. Though, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah,
2: uh, yeah. Well, maybe it's a. Uh, yeah. Could you go?
10: You could say it's true, but only because it's got a generic reading. Generically, I I don't know. There are things you could say, but right. you, you you see what I mean. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. But you wouldn't. I, I think it's wrong to say that you've got faith. Faith that you'll be hit in the head, right?
10: I um, know I know that yes. would be misleading. I, I, yes. I know that would be misleading. On the other hand, it yes. seems good to say yes, I have faith, I have faith woman. a woman. That that seems a lot better. Yeah. But this doesn't seem good. I hope that what my wife says is true. That doesn't seem good. Yeah. So there seems to be a that clause that patterns much more comfortably with the faith that than with the hope that.
2: Yeah. But in one sense, don't you hope that what she says is true? Because, you know, she, she, she's your wife, and, you know, you're, uh, it, um, it's good when she speaks, <laughs> speaks truthfully, right? So, um, so in, in that respect. But, yeah, it, it's, it is strange, though, isn't it, that if, if these two things, if you can say both of these two things, I have faith that what my wife said is true, but I don't have faith that I'll be hit in the head. Which is what she said. <laughs> I know,
10: I was getting puzzled. Yeah. I mean, yeah. in terms of the, the actual superficial data, yeah, yeah. it seems to pattern like that. So it's, you know. Yeah,
2: that's worth thinking about uh, more. Yeah. I'm not sure what to say.
1: Should yeah, you know? I thought maybe there's some ambiguity in having faith that. But I mean, there's one which is having faith that she will speak truly. She's like having faith in a conditional that if she says P, then P. And the other one is saying, like, if she says p, then I have faced that p. Mm-hmm. That's the other, it looks like there are these two. Might way. So you hope, when you ha- use I hope that what she says is true, this the sense of, if she says something, then I hope that that thing is true. Uh, while this, by contrast, when you say I have faced that she, what she says is true, it's I have faced that <coughs> if she says something, that thing is true. So you are facing the condition. But this seems to be the way I would construe those things. So
8: I had to sort of follow up to John's question. Uh, I don't remember the Nicene Creed, but it's a a profession (coughs) of faith. And could well be (coughs) something in there about Christ coming again in wrath, (laughs) the devil. (laughs) There might be propositions. Maybe not.
3: He's just misremembered.
8: Yeah. There might be there's no wrath involved. <laughs> well, you can it's imagine people. He's judging the, living in the death. death. Uh, ju- he's judging okay, the judging. living and the death. Right. Um, I don't know if the existence bad. of the. Is the, right. is the existence of the. Of the <laughs> so is the existence of the devil asserted in that? Anyway, I'm wondering, there might be some things in the good book, interpreted in certain <laughs> ways, um, such that one might have faith, just a picky little point, but it's related to that one. One might have faith that it's true, but one would want it to be true.
0: Um,
8: and I think maybe part of what John was suggesting is that your account, on your account, faith entails hope. There's clause oh, yeah. three plus...
2: Yeah, that's right. The evidential, con- yeah, so the okay. evidential is so high they, enough. Yeah. well, high enough for faith, hope. Right.
8: So you could More, get yeah. rid of these problems just by dropping the third condition. I think. Yeah, that's I maybe mean, right. you don't think it's a problem. but
2: Well, I, I'm not. am not sure. I mean, I, I might be inclined to say that to the extent that you don't hope that it's true, you, you actually don't have faith that that particular thing is true. You, you're lack. There's a um, you're lacking in faith in, in a certain way that that thing that, that one proposition is true. Um, I
8: don't think that would match ordinary usage on this <laughs> um, There might be some bad news that's part of the good news. And yeah, yeah. You have to have faith in that too. Yeah. At least under certain interpretations. Yeah. Um, I, so I guess it, it just depends on what you think of those cases. It seems optional for you to drop three.
11: Yeah.
8: If you thought those cases don't pattern I think I do. Yeah.
2: So I have, you know, I have faith that God exists and you know, part of the package, or I have faith that this religion is true. Part of the package is that I have faith that Satan exists, say, but I, I don't like that um, particular aspect of it. Um, uh, yeah. I have faith that I will go to hell if I do such and such, but I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, in the case of Satan's existence, I mean, it does seem a little strange to say that you've got faith that Satan exists. I mean, that does sound, it, to, it rings to my ears like you're rooting for it Primarily in a way that you shouldn't, you know. You but shouldn't. it's okay in
1: Russian. Russian. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Just laughs> you know? was okay. like, yeah, so people, a Russian, Latvian speaker yeah. told me it's perfectly fine. Oh. So if I may say, it's like, I think this kind of thing is precisely what makes me worry about looking for necessary, sufficient condition for faith, Mm -hmm. because it looks like if you're talking about, you know, things that involve uh, Satan and God and Mm -hmm. commitments of religious commitment, it seems okay to use faith, at least in Russian. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, but then if you're looking at the non-religious case, then maybe the requirement that it is belief in something that's good or that's good news uh, is stronger. So, you can be similar enough to prototypical Christian belief by being about Satan, or you can be similar enough by being belief in good news. Yeah, yeah. So, if you have this sort of prototype view, you understand why you can't have, like, sometimes it will look like the good news thing is necessary, sometimes it will look it's not, depending on whether we're considering the religious case or the non-religious case. So, that's really the kind of thing that motivates this sort of prototyp- yeah. prototypical way of right, thinking yeah. about it.
4: And you get a different, re- a different result if you take something on faith. So if you just say, yeah, "I'll take it on faith that there's a devil," that doesn't seem to have the thumbs-up attitude. That's so that that, that I think is a reason for thinking that I mean, faith doesn't necessarily have the kind of yeah pro attitude that it, yeah like the preferring it to be the case part of the clause. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen's had his hand up. Yeah, I was just going to say I mean, it depends yeah. on
12: how uh, how fine or coarse grain the things are to your. I mean, the propositions are, right? I mean, so if it's something like the whole, like you say, one of the whole package of Christianity. Yeah. If that's something you have faith in, I mean, that's really coarse-grained. But I, I got the sense that you want things to be a little bit more fine-grained. And in that case, you might think Christianity mm-hmm. b- entails believing a lot of things, um, like the existence of the devil or something, They're not having faith in those things, properly speaking. Um, because you want to say faith is something more than just a belief. Um, so you might get out
2: of it that way yeah that's right although I, I was hoping the account would work for any you know for, for any P that you plug in so um, so you know if, if you take a proposition like you know uh, Christianity is true right then you have faith that Christianity is true um, uh, because you know you, you would hope for that as a Christian right That but it might turn out that you don't have faith that, you know, c- certain aspects of it are true because you don't hope for those certain aspects, so. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a
0: follow-up? Yeah, yeah. And this just follows on, on,
7: on mm-hmm. Steven
8: and John's points. I, I just feels like an easy way to account for this is that faith isn't closed under entailment, and I think that counts for both the wife case and, the, and, the, um, and this religious case. You just say, I have faith that what my wife says is true, that doesn't mean I have faith in everything that my wife says. I have faith that my religion is true. That doesn't mean I have faith in every proposition that. Yeah. That, does it, do you yeah. have any problem with that? Because that cause that, no, that, I mean, that seems like it would solve these pretty pretty cleanly, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I think that I think ho- hoping or preferring has has that feature. So if you if you prefer something, um, you don't necessarily prefer everything that follows from it. yeah.
0: Um, yeah. At least... Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, is that, this no? is basically okay. the, the exact same. So,
5: I think, take anything that you don't have faith in, but you know, like, here's a hand. Oh. I think if you conjoin that with something you do have faith in, so you're going to, here's a hand, and so, yeah. and God exists. I think the conjunction will be something you have faith in, but it doesn't follow that you have faith in each conjunct. Yeah. So... Yeah. So it's not acknowledged that way. So right. I yeah, think yeah. there are these kind of clear cases, that faith is isn't
2: going to be closed. Yeah. That yeah. That. That's right. Yeah. So maybe. So maybe I can push back on on Matt's point by saying. You might be inclined to think that those are counterexamples because you're thinking closure is going to work, but once you maybe I can get you once you think about it afresh and put you know see that it doesn't always work to have the same intuitions. So. you?
1: Yeah, it was a similar. Like you, you might say, I I faith that God will save the poor, but it's not that I have saved that they are poor.
2: Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that seems right.
10: John? Yeah, I just wanted to check, I mean, in the discussion, people are moving back and forth between the faith that construction and the faith in mm. faith in noun phrase constructions. I think it's worth double checking it doesn't make a difference. I mean, on faith, definitely patterns differently. So, yeah, that's right. And you know, it might be... I have faith that there's a devil is a bit different to, I have faith in the Bible's claim that there's
0: mm-hmm.
10: a devil. I mean, to my ear, it's not totally straightforward that they're patterning exactly this. I, yeah. I think it's important to check, because your official thing is for, for faith that, for that but yeah. people are yeah, right. using the faith in noun phrase construction a lot. It's not a yeah, given no. that they're going to patent it. We'd, we'd have to check, that's all. Right. You
8: did.
13: Did it? Oh, yeah. yeah, a lot or? of
10: people were saying fave okay, Yeah. So, clarifying
8: question
13: concerning yeah. your Kansas yeah. basketball case, okay. yeah. why do you think that believing that Kansas won is the best option? It seems like there's a lot of other, I mean, not in the funny way. <laughs> 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 like like are we should be here. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. This is a sports question. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, so it seems that there's lots of other options. Like, you believe know, Kansas is not going to win, or you believe some other team is going to win. There's a ton of other relevant options which you can believe in. And it seems like for the case to work, you restrict it to like you have to believe that one individual team is going to win, and then Kansas has the best chances of all the individual teams. But why would why would you want to restrict it in that way? You
2: know, restricted in what way? In the way that.
13: Here's all, the list of your available options is you have to believe that one of the teams specifically is going to win. Yeah. It seems like there's lots of other options for belief. Like, you know, some team other than Kansas is going to win. Why not believe that? Yeah. Um, that seems like a relevant option. Well,
2: yeah, I, but I was, uh, I was assuming that you're, you're entering into this kind of practice of, you know, f- filling out the, um, uh, filling out the NCAA brackets. Yeah. and. You know, in this case, you know, it's, there's a lot of pragmatic reasons for committing and there's not that much risk. Well, it depends on how much you've got riding on it, I guess, but, you know, not that much risk. So, um, uh, so what you want to do, again, if you're going to be epistemically honest, you, you might actually just go for your favorite team and, and you, that would, I think, count as pragmatically justified at best, right, that they're going to make it. But suppose you actually are trying to be honest with your evidence and actually trying in your bracket to uh, um, respect the evidence that you have and you actually, in each case, think that there's one one team that has a little bit better chance than the other. Um, so
13: it's like in the context of the game that you have yeah. to bet on one team and you're going
2: to... Yeah, that's right. That's why because it's
13: in the context. Of yeah,
2: so you're in this context and you're committed now to the, the truth of it, yeah. So, I, I, you know, I was toying with the idea that philosophy might be quite similar in a way. So, you know, uh, you're, uh, there's a kind of context here, right, that rewards vigorously defending some view as your own. And, um, you know, if, you're, if it happens to be, you know, false, uh, it's not as big a deal. <laughs> you know, it's, it's better to, uh, you know, it's better to be published <laughs> and have some view, right? Than, uh, uh, I, Boy, this is sounding really cynical. <laughs> <I'm> so sorry, <laughs> about that. sorry about that. Can I just up on
7: this thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It doesn't sound it doesn't sound totally right to say that in filling out your bracket, you're committing. I mean, yeah. you might fill out multiple brackets and try a win and give different winners. And, so like,
2: that's right. It's yeah. not.
7: It's yeah. not just yeah. the action of filling out a bracket, right. even if it's yeah. just one, and you're not filling out multiple yeah to that, different pools different is going to commit you but there is something that you seem to be committing to in some sense that's the operation of
2: <laughs> filling in Kansas all the way to the end yeah so so adjust maybe adjust the case a little bit cuz i agree i mean it's more than just filling in the bracket but i think there is this you know attitude sp- some sports fans have right where they're they're not just they're not just filling in a bracket, and they've got another one. You know, they're not just playing the odds, but they're they intend themselves to be committing to the truth here. So, you know, again, if they turn out to be wrong, and you say to them, "Ah, so you were wrong um, about whether this team would win," um, you know, they gotta they gotta take it right. <laughs> they gotta um, say, "Yeah, I was wrong." Uh, yeah, so. So it's a case like that, that, and I agree, it's not just filling in the bracket that that produces that, but I think there is a kind of context where that's what's happened.
3: So the the, the point that, that Matt just made can also be made with respect to belief, with respect to filling out brackets. Um, and if you really want to push the idea of intellectual honesty, it seems bizarre for me to think. So I do fill out brackets. I would never tell you I believe, even last year when I picked when I picked Kentucky. If you had asked me at the beginning, do you really believe Kentucky's going to win? My answer would have been, they're the best option if I have to choose one. That's what I believe. That's the content of my belief. So I would be careful here. I don't think that the content lines up the way that you want it to if you want to use that as an example of belief. As opposed to... Betting or something like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, so you think when, when people say, um, when people say things like, "Oh, so you were wrong," and they say, "Yeah, I was wrong. I, I, I really thought they would win. I really believed that they would win." No, you can't say they,
3: that. There are people uh, who say that, and then I'd wonder what in the world, what were you smoking when you say that? Because <laughs> there are 60, yeah. 66 teams now. What is it, sixty-eight teams? Yeah. I mean, and you thought. Good, Kentucky, I actually asked my, my oldest son, who also follows this, what do you really think the odds of Kentucky winning are before the whole thing began? And we, we figured it at best 50-50. At yeah. best 50-50. So if somebody says, I flat out believe Kentucky's going to win, either they're saying something other than what they literally sound like they're saying, yeah. or, or they're not being intellectually honest,
2: I think. <laughs>
3: Rigorous. Okay. Rigorous, yeah. sorry. I don't better. Think honest is the right yeah. word. I, I'll, stand,
4: really I'll stand corrected on that. I
3: will stand corrected on that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you.
4: It was on a different
9: things. What if your wife wanted to take you? <laughs> then. then. Game
10: changer. Is that a new question? Sure. It's, uh, it's just, well, I might not have been tracking the, the better. I got the, the vibe that you, your picture was that the, um, the moral and pragmatic stuff kicks in by raising and lowering the evidential standards. You know, they've they've got to be over 0.5, but there's latitude within there. And they, but yeah. I was wondering, you know, what about cases where there are? It's certain on the evidence, but there are moral and pragmatic considerations that favour withholding. You know, I mean, maybe it'll cause you to be a bad person, or cause you to be inattentive and do math badly, or you know, you can you can tell all sorts of moral and pragmatic stories about. Yeah. Uh, that would favour withholding over believing even in a setting where it's certain on the evidence. And there if you I mean your second clause would mean it's not justified, but the effect couldn't be explained by very easily by a shift in the threshold because even setting the threshold as its highest you'd pass the test. You see what I mean?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um uh. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's interesting. Are you, are you thinking that it should? Well, um, I'm just, yes. Suppose I say. Um, I'm just pointing out that if in these yeah. cases you
10: say you're not justified, I mean, presumably you'd then think knowledge doesn't entail justification. That's a side remark. But you'd also wouldn't, in general, think oh, yeah, yeah. that the uh, that yeah. the that the way that uh, moral and pragmatic considerations. Right. Destroy justification is by some appropriate by moving to some appropriate threshold between 0.5 and one because even at one you'd pass the one the one test but still the second clause would kick in namely the moral and pragmatic would on balance favour you know withholding withholding. so there was something
2: interesting that's yeah that's a strange. That's a strange consequence. Yeah, yeah. That that's that seems. Man, it, it doesn't seem so great, either. Yeah, it doesn't seem so great. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to think more about. Uh, um, yeah, I'll have to think more about. Uh, about about that case. I mean, would it be terrible if I said? Uh, um, well, you should believe that the probability is one, but you shouldn't commit to the truth of it. Um, even
10: though you know. Or, or would you then say you wouldn't even know? I mean, yeah, you can't know things strange. that'll make you bad people. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. it, seemed, I mean, it seems really weird for no, and then it just seems weird yeah. to say, you, I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that does seem. Just, Michael, I
8: thought you wanted to say the pragmatic, talking to Jeremy, the pragmatic factors affect your standards. Your standards can only go so high that one has to meet the standards, probably one. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe that conflicts with
2: Yeah, you know, but I think it you know, affects what I wrote thing, down. So. Yeah, what I wrote down. Yeah, so maybe there's a way of writing something else down <laughs> from this, yeah, that captures, yeah, yeah. yeah. that does justice to that.
10: Just can I mention one more little thing that I thought was... I thought it was, in terms of setting out evidentialism, I thought it was weird setting belief evidentialism and degree of confidence evidentialism side by side, basically because the, they're both if and only if someone has a basing constraint and the other doesn't, and that looks really weird to me. Wow. I mean, the way you lay out degree of confidence evidentialism, it's yeah. so long as you fit the strength of your evidence, that's sufficient for being... Uh, yeah. You know, epistemically justified. Mm-hmm. Whether or not your degree of confidence is, you you, yeah. you basically don't have any basing thing in
2: there, <laughs> but you're doing the other, and it looks like a weird. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah that's that's sloppy. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll, I'll add the basing because you know, if you just came to it out of the blue, right? You just right. Yes, yeah. certainly yeah. a I, I totally little thing it's, just, thing. it's yeah. just, I feel yeah. you. You need yeah, some thanks. symmetry there. Yeah. Thanks. If you want to do it. That
0: Are
1: there any more questions? Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I would, I want like one of the thing you replied to the gruesome nature story was to say you you don't have to have a you can have a perfectly graded notion of how justified you are. Mm-hmm. But here I want to distinguish two things. Like you can you have this notion of what confidence you should have, which is. So if your evidence (laughs) delivers a a probability of 20, your confidence should be 20, and so on. But what I was thinking is like, how your account would generate a notion of how justified you are in having an outright belief. And you can think that, for instance, if you have an outright belief that P, if you believe that P, and your uh, degree of belief, uh, and your evidence makes P 50% likely. Mm -hmm. That's not as bad as believing that P when your evidence makes P 0% likely. So you can think of how much justified, is this belief that P more justifying than that belief that P and so on. Mm -hmm. So that that was the scale I had in mind. And for that scale, it looks like, okay, believing that P when your evidence is 0 is very bad. Believing that P when your evidence uh, makes P just 25% likely, it's very bad, but less. Uh, and so on, but yeah. it looks like when you reach the one half, when your evidence makes one half, mm-hmm. then for the remaining part of the scale, whether it's good or not for you to believe P outright, how justified you are, mm-hmm. will be a function of the moral goodness of or the mm-hmm. prudential goodness mm-hmm. of believing P versus withholding.
9: Yeah, yeah.
1: So even though in the background, and you might have these funny effects where uh, you are. Not justified to have a very high confidence that p, mm-hmm. but you are very justified to have an outright belief that p yeah. for moral reasons. These two scales go apart. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, yeah. I see. Yeah, I see the point. Yeah. Of course, the moral the moral reasons are a mix, right? So there's epistemic. Um, they're in part a function of of, of your epistemic justification. Mm. Um, Or of your uh, um, evidential strength, right? Um, Yeah, but I'll I'll have to. But they can vary fairly
1: independently. So Mm -hmm. you can have a case where uh, your evidence is uh, in a certain way, and then the consequences of believing vary. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, from I'm sure that this will have no effect at all on whether I will cure or whether mm. I will win the race to I'm pretty sure that I will win the race if I come to this yeah yeah. This kind of, yeah. so they, they could vary really independently so,
2: mm. so. yeah I have to think more about that yeah.
0: okay we're almost out of time any last minute questions well
4: since, since we're at the very end it's not really a question um, as much as um, so one thing that's interesting about the nature of faith historically in the discussions is and this gets back to your question about courage um, it's situated uh, how it's situated in the in the virtue scheme uh-huh. right so courage for example is like a, it's going to be a virtue character but faith is going to be a theological virtue and at least in the medieval tradition and sort of following on that um, faith is supposed to sort of come before knowledge in the sense that, but it's, so this just goes back to the beginning of your paper when you talk about Mm -hmm. the worry that faith is an intellectual vice, right? It's kind of interesting because traditionally, faith was this theological virtue that was actually held to increase your chances of getting knowledge, Mm -hmm. right? So one of the reasons you wanted faith was that this is actually a way to up your chances Mm -hmm. of reaching the truth, Mm -hmm. period, right? And so it itself wasn't identified as an intellectual virtue, but it was almost like a prerequisite for full possession of the intellectual virtues. Mm. So it's what would kind of ground all the intellectual virtues that you wanted. I see, I see.
2: So there's a distinction between theological virtues and intellectual virtues. Yes. And so it's not. Between
4: theological virtues, intellectual. intellectual virtues, and virtues of character. Uh-huh. Right? So the theological virtue of faith uh-huh. is going to be useful both for virtues of character, like courage. It'll be like a precondition, maybe, for certain kinds of courage. Uh-huh. But then also a precondition for intellectual virtues. Yeah, yeah, It's what's going to let you sort of persevere in your studies. It's going to, you know, it's going to give you the kind of boost that you need to, hmm. yeah, yeah, sort of trust your wife or whatever. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. 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 So what, what, what makes it not a character or an intellectual virtue? Why, why is it the separate, the separate category of Well, theology? that's a, I mean.
4: another long story. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, basically because the idea was that faith, hope, and love, the three theological virtues, were things that had to come from God. Yeah. Right? So, and, and yeah, that these were sort of infused yeah. by God. And then they kind of ground all the rest of this work. That's basically, it's sort of like the idea between like what people, you know, sort of like theists sort of had that non theists didn't. Mm-hmm. They got the three theological virtues. As a,
2: a grace from God. Yeah, 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 exactly.
4: He can take them away too, but that's a different story. I see. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because in the, the, the current literature, there's also this undercurrent of how it's, well, this is in Aquinas too, I'm sure, but how, how it's voluntary faith is supposed to be voluntary in a way, right? So, yeah. I mean, that makes it sound like it's not voluntary at all. It's just, did yeah, God no, give it to you to to it. or not? Yeah, so. yeah we can't mm-hmm.
4: make ourselves have yeah. faith.
2: Yeah, whereas right. there's a contemporary literature that makes it seem like faith is more voluntary than belief. Yeah. It, that's supposed to be one of the things you want to capture. in a.
4: Right, yeah, in a I know mean, that it's more like you put yourself yeah. in, in a position where your yeah. chances of sort of getting faith are up, but mm-hmm. you can't control whether or not you have faith, yeah, yeah. and the other medievalist is nodding. So, yeah. Yeah, take a this look at it. Off, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Is that a question? Yeah.
4: I won't.
10: I'll, I'll
9: talk later.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so we're out of time. Um, let's thank our speaker. <laughs>